Hello, hello. Welcome back to the CTO Studio. I am, of course, your host, Nicolette Walker. Uh, we are joined again today in studio by Matt Ferguson, who is the CTO at Galley Solutions and a fellow tinkerer, as you guys have discovered through previous uh, shows. And we are going to talk today a little bit to him about IoT, microservices, and data visualization. So let me just start off with the first question, picking up from last week's conversation about Matt's backyard ecosystem. So then you took the material ecosystem that you made and added high tech to it, right? Well, we the IoT that I'm doing is, is around water recycling for a company here in San Diego, um, not around my pond. And that has been uh, a neat project. Um, you know, I, I have a background working in the water industry um, uh, for about eight years in in the utility space uh, as software provider and hardware provider to utilities. So it's been kind of neat to rekindle those roots and work with a company here in San Diego that is building a water reclamation system uh, for use in, well, everything from, you know, breweries and uh, met, uh, um, food operations, uh, you know, food factories to the military who need to recycle water uh, into some, maybe not potable or potentially potable after that with a few more steps, but uh, can go back in the environment at that point. It's not sewage. And so they have a, uh, the company AquaCycle is doing a great job, fantastic uh, folks who are the founders of the technology. And we're helping with the building out the gateway that monitors each of these platforms. Um, so all of the all the work they're doing and that they've pioneered needs to be monitored when it's on site. And so monitoring, you know, six um, over 600 reactors that are organically cleaning water through biotechnology and measuring the voltage, but also watching the hydraulics. And what was fascinating about we got in getting involved in this project was realizing that the team that needs to be able to access the these sites needs to be able to interact with that data and tweak things that are going on you know it's a living system and they still are you know still want to be able to massage how the system's working and react to things um uh so I really, th- we spent some time thinking about how to design this, and we decided to go with some technologies uh, that were, would, would enable them to, as, as operators, um, not have to ask for an engineer, you know, to recode something. So what are the, you know, building block technologies, the Legos, that would allow them to really interact with what's going on? And obviously, you know, that's a, I think a, it can be a lower cost solution if you're able to build from off the shelf technologies, which is great, but also a more flexible solution in some ways if you're, you know, you're focusing on the capture of data, the storage of data, and then the visualization of data. And if you can design that each of those things, the ability to see what's been stored is available to an operator and the ability to visualize is something an operator can reconfigure. So, uh, 
the you know IoT space is pretty interesting. Um, there's a lot of work that's been covered there, you know, over the many years. But how to do that, right? So that you could take a scientist or you know an operator who isn't a software engineer and give them control over all that data and the visualization. And we settled on some cool technologies. Um, I'm actually watching it on my screen here because the test harness is firing away. And what we're you you know we're using some tools, um, stream sheets from Sedalo, which is a German company that has developed these microservices that you can just configure like a spreadsheet to transform data and push that data into you know off-the-shelf tools like an InfluxDB and then wire that up to Grafana for visualization. So we were able to you know architect a solution for them um, that you know doesn't require a software engineer you know now or in the future you know it's a lot of configuration to get it off the ground to design it right um, but our vision is that as they roll out system after system you know this is going to be very flexible and something that they're going to say oh I need a, a chart for this oh let me go find that and you know it's they can create the visualizations the alarms and everything without writing code. Um, you know, it's the ultimate in being able to cut out that middle layer of complexity and get the operator immediately involved in the data. The Concern I feel when I hear that is, you know, like this the development team has a lot of fun putting these building blocks in place, but then the end user can't bridge the gap to actually doing what you just described. So how how is it? Do you just train them, or do you have to have a special kind of user that's willing to jump in and and work on this unknown system or? Because just because there's no code doesn't mean that it's still a scary system to the end user, right? Well, there's the benefit in this system that you know there's a there's a there's a human machine interface, you know, very LCD that's sitting over here for you know if somebody is at the system and they don't have any understanding of the inner the data and they just want to push the red button or they just want to see you know what's going on. Um, but the operators who need to dial in are, are more sophisticated and understand you know, how the system's connected. Um, so there's a little bit of both, right? And I think that we're taking advantage of the fact that uh, the folks that are dialing in or, or need to work with the system are, um, you know, are, the, are a super user, if you will, right? And they are truly someone who understands you know, when, when the system is cycling like this and we're getting this many millivolts out of the bacteria that's processing through the water, then, you know, it, it, it has uh, a meaning. And uh, obviously that, uh, that user is a sophisticated user, but it's part of why you would be in the back end of the system, right? Now, the thing is, is you know, things like, uh, as soon as you open up the world of, um, you know, flexible reporting, right? You always run into that situation where I can build something I don't understand or, um, so 
it's a double-edged sword, like like what you're saying, right? If you give, if you expose it all, then will that are we really enabling someone to do something that uh, shouldn't be done? Uh, in our case, we we happen to have we're not we're not actually creating a system that allows them to manipulate, just um, create reports, dashboards, and alerts. Which in which in your case, just in the 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 low code or the no code approach enabled you to do it just quickly without like buggy software that has to be re you know patched and you were able to just build it in a sort of a low code environment for for your own maintenance absolutely yeah stand up and and focus more on building test harnesses and focus on the you know making it very very solid and less on the intricacies of you know so build taking a systems approach instead of a you know I'm a software engineer approach that I'm going to, uh, this is the tool I know, therefore I should always use that hammer, um, which I could talk about for, for the next hour and a half if you'd like. <laughs> but, you know, it's always, I, I've just seen it uh, too much um, in the past little while of, you know, how much when we are masters of one tool, that's the tool we're going to use. And... I don't think code is always the answer, you know, even as a software engineer and a CTO, when we are reaching out for third parties, right, we're already saying, hey, there's somebody's already done this. How do I wire it up? And a lot of our time is now spent in writing those wiring it up code, you know. And so how can we do that for some as, as software gets more advanced um, and software starts writing itself? I think that's what we will spend more time doing, you know. There's, I don't think you'll ever see that we don't need software engineers, but more and more of our time will be in that wiring up part of the solution. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, isn't that what we do as software developers anyway? I mean, we're, we're using open source package, I mean, we're wiring up packages or libraries anyway. And so that little thin layer of business logic that we're, that we're used to coding and we call it software development when really we're just finding packages and we're just using whatever's out there to add that thin layer of business logic, hopefully in a small service that you have multiple of, we're just saying that the low-code approach is really just doing it at the application level, maybe. Same thing. That's why I think to- tooling is so important um, in our role as CTO. To just We have to be aware of the tools that are out there, man. How do you stay, how do you stay plugged in to the, to the tools? Like, how did you find the tools that you used to do this, uh, this water monitoring thing? Well, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've built an IoT platform, you know, I guess now 10 years ago that, you know, reads, you know, all the meters in um, entire parts of the country. And, I, you know, so I've been through the days where we had to write everything ourselves. And so when I was envisioning, you know, this much more smaller platform in this microsystem, the, 
we, we really, what I was thinking about was I, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, I think that's an important thing for all of us to ask ourselves is as soon as we start a project, break it down into the component pieces, you know, data, movement of data, display of data. And how do you solve those three problems based in the domain you're in? Um, and, you know, are you a data company? Are you a, you know, what, and then what is your core competency, right? Where, what's the business you're in? Um, so the tools, I don't, how do you stay out? You can't stay up on all the tools. I think that what you can do is say, I have a framework for finding and investigating this domain when I need it. And if it's every five years, that's fine, you know, but do you have a process that says, I'm at least going to go spend half an afternoon coming up with candidates, and then I can go narrow that down to, you know, either with my team or with some other criteria to say, oh, these are interesting. And so that's what I did. I didn't believe that this thing I had, you know, found out there from Sadalo was was truly going to be what my final solution was. I assumed I was going to end up writing a bunch of code, or my team was. And in this case, I started to build a proof of concept around it. And I was kind of blown away. I was like, well, maybe this will work. And, you know, so I think those proof of concept is an important part of the process. You know, whether you're investigating Kafka or messaging or messaging, or, you know, in this case, we're using MQTT. But when you're in that domain, you know, go build these simple proof of concepts, prove to yourself it's possible, ask your team to do that same thing, right? I don't think you can just read a book, though, or take others' recommendations. It's, like, it's not good enough. There's a lot of false, I don't know, false prophets out there. Yes, yes. And it's also very hard to measure whether someone actually understood the problem. And I, and I think with, with our engineers, if we just show them that we want to collaborate with them on the prototype and that it's not some sort of, it's not a delegation to grind them down or make them unhappy, but that it's a collaborative experience. Like, hey, let's see if we can build this quick prototype and I'm here to help and one plus you versus... Um, you know, it's your job to go and figure it out. And by the way, you can't use these tools and you've got to go find these tools. You know, I, I think as in, in our roles as leaders, it's, it's, it is important to show that we are really interested in that technical solution. Yeah, there's a lot of good examples of that. I think right now it's probably the biggest part of our jobs, right, is to do that um, coaching. I mean, I think I've seen, you know, this technology stack that I'm in is is unique to this solution, um, but also at uh, you know at Galley, you know we just reinvented our um, our CI/CD pipeline, and I've always been a big believer in GitOps, and I've implemented GitOps sort of hand woven previously, and you know with lots of good technology, but still it was like oh man, you know, there's too much too much code here, or too much you know of our own secret sauce making this work. And so we, you know, we, we investigated and, you know, looked at a bunch of technologies and, and realized that, you know, uh, Argo was the solution we wanted to go with. Did a proof of concept. We're like, oh, my gosh, this really solves a bunch of things that we were going to have to do. You know, we, we knew what we wanted to accomplish, 
but this does it you know without us reinventing a lot of these wheels so there's always these great solutions and you know packages like argo that have big corporate sponsors are you know fantastic um so you know fortunately we live in a space that does have corporate sponsorship you know for these open source solutions because you know these the CTOs of these organizations realize that's not my core competency. It'd be great. It'd be better to hand that over to the open source community and make that, you know, if we look at Kafka, where did Kafka come from? Right. LinkedIn and solving a LinkedIn problem. But then they realize that's not our core competency. You know, it's that technology is better served in the wild with a team that's going to become um, service that team. Argo, same thing, you know, uh, there, you can just see it all over the place. Uh, supporting technologies that have been put out into the wild, you know, after being incubated somewhere. It's a great, beautiful way to go. Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO studio. We have one more interview scheduled with Mr. Ferguson, and we're going to talk about CI and CD and how it's all become complicated. So stay tuned for that. Now, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, please go to the iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so you can get them fresh every week. And then also, if you would check out um, Matt Ferguson's LinkedIn, it would be appreciated. And please go check out 7CTOs. We will see you around these parts again next time.